morning, everyone, and welcome back to History with Elena. For our new listeners joining us today, my name is Elena Hiltz, and I am a middle grade social studies teacher. And you have joined us on a special day in history. You see, on this fine day, October 22nd, 22 long years ago, a historian was born. And that historian just so happens to be me. For my birthday, I would love if you could all like, subscribe, and drop your favorite history joke in the comments below. On the topic of history jokes, who invented King Arthur's Round Table? Circumference! What? You didn't like it? Okay, okay. How about this one? Which knight is the protector of food? Saran Wrap! Come on, you can't tell me that one wasn't funny. Speaking of knights, let's go ahead and hop into our topic for the day, the Knights of Labor and why their labor union efforts were unsuccessful in North Carolina. And let's remember, while the events we are discussing take place in history, this topic specifically allows us to look closely at present-day labor conditions. This makes it incredibly important to study and understand. <laughs> As always, first things first, let's set the scene that we are placing ourselves in today. It is the late 19th century. For the past 50 some odd years, there has been rapid urbanization and leaps in technology. The oil, electricity, and steel industries are growing larger and larger, taking many families, including your own, out of farm life. You have been placed into quick-paced factories where you work 10 to 12 hours straight, surrounded by deafening noise, sweating profusely, and cotton dust coating your lungs, making it almost impossible to breathe. You look to your left, and you see children as young as six years old working. You yourself are only 12 years old. You look to your right, and you see women and men of different races working alongside you. There aren't many adult white men working there. They usually get the best jobs that pay the most, followed by white women, black men, and then children. You can't even count the number of people who have you seen get injured or killed on the job when their limbs or clothes get caught in machinery or from brown lung, which is what it was called when you got sick from breathing in too much cotton dust. When they got hurt, no one ever came to help, even if it was the big factory's fault. Even with your mom and dad and all your siblings working, your family can hardly afford food and housing. So, just like 92% of the other textile and factory workers, you live in a mill village owned by the company that employs you. One day, when you're walking home from work, you see a poster that reads, Join the Knights of Labor to become educated on your rights and fight the power. What do you do? Do you continue walking or do you stop and learn more? Well, I'll tell you what, I sure as heck would have stopped to learn more. So let's learn about the Knights of Labor together. The Knights of Labor was a labor union founded in Philadelphia in the year 1869. You might be wondering, what is a labor union? Well, according to the Oxford Dictionary, a labor union is an organized association of workers, often in a trade or profession, formed to protect and further their rights and interests. The Knights of Labor fit that description to a T. In their preamble of the Constitution of the General Assembly of the Knights of Labor, they stated, 
The alarming development and aggressiveness of the power of money in corporations under the present industrial and political systems will inevitably lead to the hopeless degradation of people. It is imperative, if we desire to enjoy the full blessings of life, that unjust accumulation and this power for evil of aggregated wealth shall be prevented. This much-desired object can be accomplished only by the united efforts of those who obey the divine injunction. and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Therefore, we have formed the Order of the Knights of Labor for the purpose of organizing, educating, and directing the power of the industrial masses. The Knights of Labor were made up by both skilled and unskilled workers, including the black community, women, and immigrants. They sought to reduce work hours from 12-hour workdays to eight-hour workdays, as well as in-child and convict, convict labor for all people. The Order of the Knights of Labor spread across several states and opened its first assembly in Raleigh in 1884. But before we continue to the Raleigh chapter, let's hear from Miss McGill, a North Carolinian, speak for, on her experience in the factory. And what did you do to Spinner. Spin. Spin the uh, yarn. You know, you take a you have this it goes through uh carding and it's carded and then run in what they call uh warping warping it's come like a roll of cotton onto a spoon and it comes through the this uh bunch of rollers and it comes through there and it's twisted into yarn and it comes down i have to say i wasn't very good at it i never did like it how did you learn Job. They would put you with someone for a day or two, and then they just put you out there on you to show you how. Okay. And they didn't pay you, so you they pay they paid you when they considered you sufficiently trained to go on the payroll. And in my case, I worked six weeks before they started paying me, and Dorothy did too. We worked six weeks before they started paying us. And for the first 56 hours of work, I got $3.16. But they took six cents out. Now, wait a minute. We had to pay for ice. They charged us 10 cents a week for ice. Going. I never had no ice water. But we had to pay 10 cents a week to get out our paycheck to buy ice. And a big thing up here with coils and he put the ice in there and he's supposed to run out and give us ice water we all had to take glasses to drink you know if you drink or if you drink a lot of times you fold up paper drink out of it they didn't have fountains it came out in the spigot but i never saw it had no ice water but we paid a dime a week for ice if they ever had any ice in there i never saw any ice water but we paid a dime a week for ice and a penny out of every every uh dollar we made for the doctor, company doctor, where we used him or not. We had to pay for the company doctor. I never used him, but I paid a penny out of it. So whatever I had left, that was 13. I had three dollars and three cents left. Three dollars and three cents. Yeah, I made 3.16. I made $3.16 cents for the first week they paid me. Paid a dime for ice. And three cents. How much did you make after that? After that first week? Well, three, four dollars. They, uh, 
From Ms. McGill's recount of working and how she was treated, especially in payment, you would think the Knights of Labor would be well accepted and even possibly be successful in North Carolina. If you thought that, then you thought wrong. The Knights of Labor failed pretty quickly due to pushback from many white business managers who resisted the idea of social equality between black and white people. Those in opposition to the Knights of Labor became very vocal, as we see in the February 2, 1887 release of a Durham newspaper called The Tobacco Plant. In this, the author writes in a very radically racially charged manner, saying that social equality is not palatable to their social stomachs, and the, the, the North wants to push it down their throats. And Harley E. Jolly's The Labor Movement in North Carolina, 1880-1992, it is written that the South had the view that the mills were the property of the owners, and as master of such property, the owner had the right to set its own wage rate. Does that sort of talk ring a bell? It is very similar to the justifications of slavery. You see, even though slavery was technically abolished, new forms of it took its place. Things such as the black codes, which controlled how the formerly enslaved people could work and for how much, and also provided the groundwork for Jim Crow laws were put into place. We can see modern slavery even today with the prison industrial complex, but that's for a later episode. So why did the Knights of Labor as well as several other unions fail so spectacularly in North Carolina and throughout the South. Many viewed giving social equality and fair payment to both black and white laborers as more of a threat than the harsh and deadly conditions of factories and mills. It wasn't until much later that the labor laws were put into place and enforced, but I challenge you to look critically at the way laborers and employees of large corporations are being treated today. A great place to start is with Amazon. Well, that's it for today, friends. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as always, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a fun history joke in the comments below. Okay.